Wow, I love the defeatism today. No, I'm not defeated. <laughs> we can fight it together, but just be scared. Hello and welcome to Unsolicited, the pop cultural podcast with a philosophical twist to the one you definitely didn't ask for. We're your Sydney hosts, Jen Cubray and Prince Wilkins Wee. Hi. And in today's episode, we're talking about the internet. We're starting off with a review of the social network before discussing where Facebook's heading today. That is the metaverse. Ooh. So what is it? And more importantly, why is it? Before we get into all of that, Jen, what are your recommendations this week? I am recommending Beyonce's new album, Renaissance. Mm. Um, it's very different for Beyonce, but it is good for the gym. It's good for running. Mm. And that's so out of character for me to say. <laughs> Why well, don't you just join a gym, Jen? <laughs> Runs once to Beyonce. But um, yeah, it's like very like kind of clubby, like fast, good like beats. And it's good to like zone out to. Yeah, that's the thing. Like I'm not into that era of music. I really liked her Lemonade album. But it's also so like, I am the fucking queen. I am the best. Like, I am that bitch. My recommendation is an anti-recommendation. I anti-recommend <laughs> Persuasion, the film that just dropped on Netflix with Dakota Johnson. Um, It sucked. It, yeah, it was bad. It was bad. It's better based on the Jane Austen book Persuasion. It was really boring. She did like the flea bag, like talk to camera, but it had absolutely no bearing on the plot or her character. She wasn't cheeky. She was just kind of like a very beige person who spoke to camera. But she was also the most interesting part of the film. Yes. And the male options she had were both terrible. Oh my God. <laughs> they were just terrible. That's terrible. All you need to know, don't watch it. <laughs> Next, we go on to the social network. The Social Network is a 2010 film directed by David Fincher and written by Aaron Sorkin about the founding of Facebook and the resulting lawsuits. It stars Jesse Eisenberg as Mark Zuckerberg alongside Andrew Garfield, Justin Timberlake, Army Hammer, Rudy Mara, and Max Mangella. The film was a major success both critically and commercially and received eight Oscar nominations, winning for Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Original Score, and Best Film Editing. It's commonly regarded by critics as one of the best films of the early 21st century. Spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead. Also, like, this is a true story, so okay. get with it. <laughs> true. But, like, what is your verdict on this film? Is it a good film? Is it a bad film? It's definitely a good film. It's a good film. Just, like, in all the aspects, it hits, you yeah. know? It's written well. It's directed well. The performances are great. Yeah. It's somehow makes, like, a kind of a boring legal process. Mm -hmm. And also, like, the founding of a company, which, like, isn't that interesting to people who aren't interested in business. Mm -hmm. Very compelling and tense. So let's start with the screenplay. Mm -hmm. So the screenplay was written by Aaron Sorkin and I love anything he's ever touched. <laughs> um, I actually think it's really interesting that he's one of the only like screenwriters that is like he himself has a following. Mm. Like a lot of the time like people follow directors or people follow actors but like there are people who are dedicated to like anything he writes yeah. and like not that many screenwriters just actually hold that place it's like singular screenwriters like you have Tarantino who's a screenwriter and a director yeah. and like all the people who direct it like Christopher Nolan directs and writes but like Aristotle only writes but he has such a distinctive style like you can see it when they parry it in like Seth Meyers did a parody and like 30 Rock did a parody of how he does the walking talks and like the quick fire dialogues very musical kind of writing it's really impressive yeah yeah and I think something he said at his talk which I went to is that his writing doesn't have a lot of visual interest. Mm -hmm. So like having a good director to be able to create that 
is really important. Mm. So I also really like David Fincher. You might know him. He directed Gone Girl, Fight Club, House of Cards. He kind of has that mm. kind of grayed out like palette. Mm. He's very sort of um, not like sinister, but he kind of tell like tells stories with a bit of like a an underlying darkness and yeah, yeah. It's I so think true. I think he's really good. Something that Aaron Sorkin said at his talk was. There was one thing he wanted to like change from reality, which was when Mark Zuckerberg broke up with his girlfriend, then goes back to his dorm and makes Facebook like the original iteration. Mm-hmm. Um, he is like drinking beer. And Aaron Sorkin wanted to change it to a vodka and orange juice because he wanted to like show to the audience that Mark Zuckerberg was drinking to get drunk. Like he was drunk that night. Mm-hmm. Um and like lots of people in college like will just have a beer and that doesn't convey that Mm -mm. but he was like I wanted the audience to know that he was drunk without like having him be super drunk because that's Mm -hmm. not his personality yeah um but David Fincher won and was like no he was actually drinking beer so we're going to be realistic yeah apparently David Fincher had this big like give and take with Aaron Sorkin like he didn't just let him go to screen with exactly that script like he gave adjustments like I was watching some of the behind the scenes and it was him being like oh I really like this line by Sean Parker where he says like they owe us or like something like that like they owe us they owe us he's like but take it out because you're saying it three times and that's announcing the thesis of the movie like you need to say it once keep it subtle keep it moving yeah and like I think that kind of really strong collaborative approach is what made this film so great like it it firstly incorporated like David Fincher's like rapid shots and like how he keeps up the energy through like moving around the, the space alongside like the actual tension that's created in the dialogue so I think it's just a really great partnership which why which is why it came to yeah the and Aaron Sorkin said he'd be open to writing like a sequel or another film about Facebook but only if David Fincher directs so wow romance I would love that <laughs> do the metaverse Aaron Sorkin so um, next, let's go into the performances of um, Mark Zuckerberg by Jesse Eisenhower Eisenberg. <laughs> um, I really liked, firstly, the Mark Zuckerberg character. I hate that I like him, but I like the anti-hero character. I like the whole tragedy of obsession kind of narrative, and you see it kind of in Whiplash as well when you're just obsessed with getting something perfect. And um, I like when he, the the dialogue. Like I like how yeah. cheeky he is. Um, how kind of ruthless he is but he also has this tender side where he really cares about his friend but he can't really express it or he really cares about Facebook but he can't really express it yeah so I think like his lack of empathy is really like foregrounded in the first scene yes definitely (laughs) um he's definitely like a bit of an asshole and like loves it like thinks he's god's gift self-obsessed selfish I actually think that like I don't know if it's just like Mark Zuckerberg now like years later um the real one but I feel like this version of him is like seemingly more kind of like maybe it's because he's young like more neurotic and like more intense Mm. and like more arrogant whereas like Mark Zuckerberg that you see now is like a robot yeah definitely definitely I definitely think this portrayal of him from from my perspective is far more cool than I understand Mark Zuckerberg to be like Mark Zuckerberg is not like like I'm smart I'm gonna like one-up you and I'm gonna yeah I'm like sassy yeah I can put you down with my knowledge my words yeah I'm like a clever like little like bitch boy exactly (laughs) like in life I just imagine him being kind of just like not really connected to like people but maybe that like ruthlessness that's what we don't see and that's what they mm. wanted to portray mm. i think um zuckerberg has been like described by some as like being on the spectrum like people don't know because like he has that kind of like robotic or like effect or he like seems like in the movie even he like lacks kind of that like social awareness sometimes mm. like in conversations with his friends and stuff and i think i that actually came a lot from eisenberg's portrayal like people thought that he was right. like so um he, the way he played the it. way he played it people actually developed that like theory, theory. 
Um, what did you think of all of our side characters? Our Justin Timberlake. Okay, so Justin Timberlake did a good job. Apparently, Andrew Garfield tells a story about when he was wandering around set and he like wandered into Justin Timberlake's trailer and he saw like massive storyboards and like him like writing down all the choices he was making. Like he was kind of <laughs> taking it so seriously. Like, He's he- like, this scene, make this choice. <laughs> yeah, put on glasses here. Um, like all these different choices he was making. Apparently, he lost weight for the role. Like all these sort of things. I actually think he's like very well cast. I think he's really fun. Yeah, I agree. I think this is one of the great, a great example of well thought out casting because the idea and the, the the kind of mystique around Sean Parker was then associated with like the mystique around Justin Timberlake. So it's like the big reveal, like Sean Parker is Justin Timberlake. You can merge like the star rock star kind of glamour together. Whereas like in, in another example would be like. Um, the incorrect way of doing that would be like something like Great Gatsby by Baz Luhrmann where like he cast like Leonardo DiCaprio in um as Great Gatsby so like you never actually got the payoff of being like who is this Great Gatsby because mm-hmm. we knew it was Leonardo DiCaprio like yeah. we knew exactly who that is but like so like I think sometimes people do it wrong but I think that they yeah did it really it's sort well. of like an out of left field casting and then you're like oh of course he'd be just like the like man of the moment like the man of the early 2000s the Navster king yeah um I also thought though his character was kind of like um, a really cocky but like kind of dreamy like kind of an idiot character is very much like his go-to like it's, it's, his, it's his wheelhouse like he played the exact same character in like that shitty film we did with Mila Kunis that was not shitty friends with benefits great <laughs> rom-com anyways it's the exact same character it's like Sean Parker like becomes a marketing entrepreneur and like goes to New York um, I also hate the whole entrepreneur narrative. He's like, oh, I'm like an entrepreneur. Like, but I just that is so businesses. what those guys like. We'll get yeah. to this in the next section. But I think that like the way that all these men act, that is like now the crypto bro. Like, 100%. That's now, like it's just an evolved form of like that character. I think it's just like such a gross person <laughs> who does stuff like that. Like when he, when Mark Zuckerberg goes and like puts on his pajamas and like goes into that meeting to be like, hey, Sean Parker says, fuck you. And then he runs out. Which yeah, is or, seen to, in the movie. or when he's just like, like this is a waste of my time yeah or like he's like i'm a ceo bitch like all that sort of like cringe male crap i'm like wow you think you're so fucking cool but you're just so cringe um sorry you can tell i don't like these people um i also really liked when the final scene happened where eduardo goes to punch sean parker and sean parker flinches and he realized that like they're just bitch boys yeah like like, these were like the nerdiest of the nerds like they went to harvard and like wrote a little algorithm and like compared girls in their dorm room yeah like because they couldn't get girls in real life they're all like insecure about their masculinity and that's why they like uh building this empire where like they're untouchable like they're they're reclaiming like the power backs like in the they say that in the 20th century like it belonged to like the bully the strong man like in the 21st century it belongs to the nerd because like they built empires and wealth out of just their minds Mm -hmm. um i said i like how it breaks out at the very moment where it's like all this conflict has been on the plane of dialogue on the plane of technology and then finally when he's like tries we, to get physical if he tries to get physical he's like they they can't handle it and i thought that was really funny <laughs> they can't handle it quite connected to why we don't like these people let's talk about the face the sexism of facebook so i think it like showcases very clearly that facebook was born of just like pure sexism mm-hmm. so for those who don't know the name the facebook derived from like harvard college directories which were called facebooks so, so where you could like look up everyone in a certain college and they had a photo of them and their name and Zuckerberg created a site where users so fellow Harvard students could like compare two images of two women from whatever colleges side by side and vote which one was hotter and that was the origin of it yeah um and then as the story goes he either came up with or stole the idea for 
kind of a social media platform. Um, from the Winklevoss from twins. the Winklevoss twins slash Army Hammer times two. <laughs> um, so I think that it was like really a lot of people interesting that a lot of people didn't know that like that's where it came from. Like it was just a purely like sexist yeah. concept. And also the fact that he was blogging that night and talking about this girl that he'd just been on a date with that he was trying to get back on, yeah, comparing to an animal or something. And those are like real blog posts. Um, I really like Rudy Mara's character, the girl who breaks his heart in the first like eight minutes of the play erica the play yeah. the film <laughs> um erica yeah i also again great it's like one of the most famous scenes in cinema like that first scene that they they have together um yeah i like that he comes back to her a lot like he sees that she's on facebook and she's not on facebook and then she is on facebook yeah. and then he just tries to friend her over and over again yeah and that's a bit of like creative license i think but oh, i definitely. think that's like kind of giving like heart to the story which is like the reason he's like doing a lot of this and a lot of his success rides on like his lack of like personal like connection connection and confidence yeah and like he's actually like obsessed with the fact that she didn't like him and it's all like an exercise in rejection facebook is just an exercise in rejection yeah um it's also funny because like in reality um he was he found he was dating a girl at this time like just after he like met his girlfriend who is now his wife so like there was creative license but i think it does play into like how it really at the core like Facebook is about insecurity about like not having that confidence that you're saying yeah and that's like kind of a like metaphor like leads into how like now like so much of Facebook is about like um insecurity and, and showcasing your life and like mm. finding connection or like stalking yeah. people like compensating for a lack of just like presence in the world yeah exactly which is what you know I guess the Mark Zuckerberg character represents um so let's go to the legal proceedings like what did you feel about the framing device of like him kind of playing out the actual like progress of the Facebook being created and then cutting to like the legal discourse reacting to how it was created. I think that that was really clever because I think if it was told chronologically, it would have been boring. Yes. Like I think the cutting back and forth and like um, revealing what they were saying now versus like what actually happened in quotation marks back then was really like interesting to Mm -hmm. see how their dynamics had shifted over those years it it raised the the stakes because you sense that there was conflict coming so there's a suspense element like how did eduardo and mark zuckerberg have their relationship fall apart yes so um for context co-founder eduardo saverin played by andrew garfield was like zuckerberg's best friend and he settled his suit against zuckerberg out of court for an undisclosed sum so we actually have no idea but it's probably like hundreds of millions Millions. of dollars and then cameron and tyler winklevoss who are identical twins played by army hammer who claims zuckerberg stole their idea for like a harvard connect like social media platform um, social media like dating platform they received a settlement of approximately 120 million um, all these men are super rich now they're like angel investors entrepreneurs but eduardo specifically got pushed out of facebook by zuckerberg even though allegedly had the like original algorithm for the program and um that tension between like the breakdown of their friendship and the breakdown of their like business relationship is at the heart of the film definitely and i loved that i loved the chemistry between andrew garfield and um mark zuckerberg no i'm not jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> um i really like that connection um i thought it was really sweet their friendship which is why it became sad when i saw it break down like there was so much i said mm-hmm. the word tenderness between them but like even when they're in the, the the legal proceedings and you're saying that i was your best friend like i was your only friend they clearly like cared about each other but it all just kind of got diluted and then sean Parker became the villain which I was very happy with um because like eventually what happens is um Eduardo Saverin slash Andrew Garfield signs a contract thinking that he is going to get a certain percentage of the organization and then later they dilute his like share 
Um, because to he, push him out. To yeah. push him out because he didn't probably read his contracts. Read your contracts. <laughs> I feel like that is an important message in this film. Read your contracts. Um, and so he, that's where the climax happens is Eduardo Sacra slash Andrew Garfield confronts um, Mark Zuckerberg slash Jesse Eisenberg <laughs> and says like, fuck you for like doing this. Like I was your friend. Like I'm going to come back for everything. Like you do, you thought you won, like all this sort of stuff. Mm. Um, and I thought that was a really good climax mm. um, and really kind of interesting how it played with the layers of like, this was really just at the heart about friendship and a lack of trust between and a lack of communication, um, which is like a very apparent from the very beginning. Like where, for example, when like, this is a very subtle detail, but and I got it from a YouTube video. When he goes to the fridge, um, Andrew Garfield pull, like picks out two beers, like one for him and one for um, Mark Zuckerberg, and then Mark Zuckerberg like takes out one for himself. And it's like this is clearly like a visual dynamic, a metaphor, of, like, a metaphor for like how they how they relate to each other. Yeah. Like Edward Saverin wanted just to be a partner, be a partnership, and be a friendship. Yeah, and I think that's really interesting. Is like that the fact that they were doing it together as friends was the part that he was excited about Eduardo mm. that is mm. whereas like um Mark as portrayed in the film like it was all about him I think it's like it's so late because like it's about friendship it's about like it's a true story it's a it's a legal drama but it's also mm. like classic tale it's a template of like these young men who are like onto something amazing and then they all get corrupted by yeah. like greed and money and especially because they're so young they get influenced by all of these things and then all their relationships fall apart like that's such a classic trope yeah but um it just is applied to this new um kind of tech space which is only like proliferating um and like breeding people who like care so much more about not just money and like fame and um success but like how they p- appear on the internet like yeah. that's just another layer of like what it takes to be um popularity influence successful yeah which is why it plays like the whole final club narrative as well like this is his final club that he's created um i think it's as well i really find it interesting to see the beginning of facebook like just generally from like a historical point of view because like facebook has had the most significant influence on the entire world like mm. it changed the way we relate to the internet um, and I was like, wow, that's how the relationship status was developed. Or, like, it was called the Facebook until Sean Park was called, you know, that's called just Facebook. Facebook. And I know that people think that, like, Facebook is kind of lame now. Like, I know that the yeah. generation below us. Wild. <laughs> they don't use Facebook, yeah. really. Like, a lot of them, like, they might have a profile, but they, they don't use it to message each other. Like, they don't invite people to parties on Facebook, even though it has an events function and Instagram does not so they're all on instagram so just to explain this to our what i assume to be late gen z millennial listeners um basically gen zers um they communicate on instagram and if they have a party they'll create a face like an instagram profile and if you get invited to the private profile and get accepted then you get invited to the party and you get to see the details like through the posts so it's like through profiles they make on instagram crazy wild wild, wild. but just it's like, like not what that platform was designed for yeah but it's also owned by facebook anyway it's mm. on meta now so yeah. like it'll come back but i just think it's um it's like so interesting now that like facebook was like the like most prominent social media platform obviously myspace sort of preceded it but it completely eclipsed myspace mm. um purely i think because of like its interface and all of its like newer functions like yeah. you could still status and stuff on myspace yeah um but now people are sort of aging out of facebook mm-hmm. and um even like instagram which is owned by um the company that owns facebook um now becoming more like tiktok it's like this mm-hmm. constant like evolution of platforms yeah. to like and they're getting shorter having shorter and shorter lifespans it's like why can't we all just fucking have a facebook why we just chill and like here. make 
friends with each other on Facebook and then just like message each other on one centralized platform and I would be happy with that. It's called the metaverse and it's coming. <laughs> yeah, I'm, it's, it's coming. I'm increasingly feeling my irrelevance. I'm like, oh my God, I'm aging out of Facebook. Everyone's going to a different platform. I also think like, were you on any other platform before you're on Facebook? No. So that was the first thing that I got when I was old enough. So you didn't have MSN? Um, no, I had Skype. What? Like I would like I would get home from school and we would all Skype. Wow, you yeah. were cool. Yeah. Oh, you're starting your own little metaverse. <laughs> um, I had MSN. I was like, I loved MSN. I don't know. I have nothing yeah. else to say about it. But they had those little gifs like that you could put over like words. So it'd be like a glitter word or like LOL would be in like bubble letters. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. Yeah, no, I would like get home, change my status on Skype to like, active or like talk to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we would literally just like message on Skype or like call on Skype even though we had seen each other at school all day. Yeah, I remember I just pop up on all the like the cute boys in like year five and just like message them on MSN be like, hey, like I really like you. Do you want to be my boyfriend? (laughs) Do you want to be my boyfriend? And then then one of the guys was like, oh yeah, I'll tell you on Monday. And I was like, actually never mind. I don't want to be your girlfriend anymore. And he was like, no, no, we can talk on Monday. Like, no, that's that's fine. No more. This is where children shouldn't be allowed on the internet. And I'm really grateful that I had a childhood that preceded social media. Yeah, me too. Actually, I just want to quickly say two things that I didn't like. Well, no, two things that weirded me out about this film was firstly, again, the Winklevoss twins played by Army Hammer twice. I was like, obviously, Army Hammer wasn't as famous when this film was made, so like they thought they could get away with it. But I know what you're doing, and I know his face is CGI, and it weirds me out. It wasn't CGI, he just did it twice. No, no. So what happened was they had two actors playing um, the Winklevoss twins. One of them was Army Hammer, the other was Josh Pants, and they edited Army Hammer's, onto, um, Army Hammer's face onto the second body, so Josh Pence's face. And you can actually see Josh Pence's face um, appear really quickly in one of the shots, and then it goes to Army Hammer, which is one little error. Um, but yeah, he's like a gentleman of Harvard. Um, best film editing Oscar who? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that was why he just like edited Army onto everything. Um, and the second thing I really liked was the chicken thing. Um, so there's like a chicken narrative, because I, I love how it was like a chicken, but they're taking it so seriously. So basically, Andrew Garfield's character got accused of um, what was it? Cannibalism. At, at cannibalism and animal cruelty, because he had like a, a, like a, what's that thing called? Initiation thing, where he had to take a chicken around wherever he went. He took it into a dining room. The chicken looked hungry. So he, he fed the chicken some cooked chicken, and then someone caught him. Rumor has it, it was like Jesse Eisenberg slash Mark Zuckerberg who told the, the the Harvard press, the Crimson, that this had happened and accused him of animal cruelty. <laughs> Anyways, and so like, he keeps being brought up like in like really like, high stakes moments. Like when he's like confronting me at the end about like his shares being diluted, he was like, it's about the chicken. Like you did the chicken thing, didn't you? I thought that was really funny. <laughs> I was like, this is so silly. And Andrew Garfield plays it so well. Yeah, imagine being like fully cancelled and defamed for like accidentally feeding a chicken chicken. <laughs> That's the kind of shit that happens in like college. And like imagine if that was on social media, it'd be so much worse. I think yeah. that's interesting. It's terrible but it's still like funny in the stakes of the film so we're talking about we were talking about um college initiations or something on our campus yeah and we're making fun of like how bad it was i was like oh my god like did they make him like like have a chicken and like feed a chicken and like nobody got it and Prue was like have you guys seen the social network and everyone was like yeah like 10 years ago <laughs> yeah when it came out anyways let's... so that is our full wrap-up so basically we think it's a great film very well done mm-hmm. Um, props to everyone. I highly recommend if you haven't seen it. And I think it's one of those things that's like, if you're if you don't find this subject matter interesting, it is like made interesting. Yeah. Now on to the newest version of Facebook, the Metaverse. 
The metaverse broadly refers to an embodied virtual reality experience. In science fiction and futurism, it refers to the internet as a 3D place that can be inhabited. So that's an immersive virtual world facilitated by the use of virtual reality technology in which people live as if they were living in the real world. Commonly, it refers to a virtual world focused on social connection, so one that Mark Zuckerberg is trying to build. In 2021, Facebook, the company, not the social media platform, officially changed its name to Meta. Meta is currently building the metaverse, an online space where people can work and connect in immersive experiences. So working from home in an immersive setting, virtual and augmented reality games where you can play with one another. But other companies are getting in on this too. The metaverse like the internet more broadly doesn't actually belong to just one company. So for example, Nike has recently filed trademarks to sell virtual Air Jordans, Walmart is preparing to offer virtual mer merchandise and uses cryptocurrency and NFTs to um, purchase and exchange them, and the English Premier League team Manchester City is building a virtual stadium so fans can watch games. So. What is the metaverse to you, Prudence? <laughs> so when we first pitched this, like, um, Jen was like, why don't we do the social network and the metaverse? I was like, cool, that sounds great. And I was thinking of like, oh, you know, how am I going to design this? What should I do? And I was talking to my boyfriend about this. I was like, what do you know about the metaverse? And he was like, it's completely cringe. Like, what a waste of time. And I was like, but like the theory, like, what do you think of the theory of the metaverse? And he's like, do you mean the multiverse? <laughs> And I was like, oh my god, they're two different things. It's like, yeah, Mark Zuckerberg is trying to open a portal into another universe. He's creating an alternate reality. Literally, I was like, for the design, like, I was thinking, like, I'll do, like, on one side Mark Zuckerberg and on the other side, like, Spider-Man. I was like, because it's about the multiverse. So that did confuse me at the very beginning. Um, but yeah, so it is just, like, an online virtual reality space, but in which, like, you can kind of, like, own things and and live yeah kind of alex another life yes and in which case if you're also confused let's do a quick vocabulary check of like key kind of virtual reality terms okay so first is cryptocurrency which you've probably heard of oh my God. crypto is digital currency exchanged through a computer network that doesn't rely on a central authority so like a government that produces currency or a bank um so for example bitcoin and dogecoin and that's why um because it isn't produced by a central authority uh these currencies can be like quite unstable and they're worth um changes so like if you bought bitcoin like 20 years ago it's now worth like millions and millions of dollars but also like if you were buying bitcoin 20 years ago it was like to buy meth on the like the dark web <laughs> so yeah. you know whatever Who, who's the millionaire now <laughs> who's laughing now um and it also it's all held on the um blockchain which is like this online ledger effectively so it means that all the kind of exchanges that happen are accessible like they're they're all in the public domain they're not um just in the hands of the bank which is what you're saying yeah yeah and like the blockchain is like it's just like data yeah <laughs> like exactly. it's just a form of like data storage an nft is a non-fungible token so non-fungible means unique so unlike your normal dollars and cents it can't be replaced or exchanged with anything else so a, a non-fungible token is just like anything digital that can be purchased like a drawing or music or a meme and when purchased you own that unique piece of data so with some of the nft it, it's moving into this thing where things that uh we exchange don't need to have inherent worth like for example back in the day you would give someone um a grain and they would give you like wood or something like that was an exchange of value then of course like a replace with dollars and cents that 
stood in for the things that we were exchanging that were valued. Now we're going to symbolic values. So like mm. NFTs have themselves a symbolic value you can exchange for like a thousand bitcoins or whatever. Mm. Um, so like for example, the first tweet on Twitter recently got sold for like six million dollars or something yeah. like that. But to be fair, like it's not an original idea. Like creating value out of nothing like exactly. there are lots of things like truffles or diamonds which exactly. are like obviously it's somewhat related to like their rarity but like we as a market have just decided like how much that thing is worth like exactly. there's no actual reason why this is like millions of dollars it's value being um designated by the group and that's the whole idea of the blockchain because everyone recognizes that this is how value is assigned and how um money is being moved because of collective agreement that's why it has value like yeah. if we all just decided like oh the blockchain is meaningless it would completely crash yeah and people are buying nfts now the way they collect real like tangible art so the most expensive nft sold was a piece by an artist called beeple <laughs> selling for like approximately 69 million dollars which is fucking ridiculous <laughs> it's just ridiculous like you just bought like this like piece of data which is a piece of art but like what are you gonna do with it? Literally, <laughs> are you gonna display it in your like virtual living room one day? Um, so apparently everyone was kind of cringing at Zuckerberg's sister who recently dropped a cringe music video about women buying NFTs and like trying to get women to NFTs. It's really horrible. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, and everyone was just kind of mad, firstly because they're throwing around crypto terms. Like originally, like, crypto was like really cool because it was edgy. It was associated with the dark web. Like people who on it and understood it like had their own like subgroup and subculture. Um, that's obviously become more mainstream. So like when people like Mark Zuckerberg's sister like throwing around like in jokes in the crypto community like they're obviously going to cringe at you I think there is like a connection with like sexism in all of this like mm. women don't really get it like get the fuck out of our community um but I also think there's a layer of like people hating the Zuckerberg family because Zuckerberg was himself like very against crypto when it first like came out yeah yeah please don't invest your money in crypto invest it in just like some like <laughs> you were like ethically some, like just some like safe like like high interest bank account <laughs> so let's go on to virtual reality so virtual reality is like a computer generated environment that simulates real life which immerses the user in their surroundings so usually through a headset or helmet or glasses which i think meta is manufacturing so you can go to like certain places like in a westfield and like play a virtual reality game you can buy a headset by yourself i think some people do like virtual reality porn which is like yeah so i've heard about this yeah. and you can see it on uh, not that i've seen it but you can see it on Pornhub, where like you can like watch a certain video where you can look around yeah um this is different to augmented reality which is when visual objects come into the real world without a headset for example when you have a phone that projects like a hologram that you can see out in the world mm. so how does this all come back to the metaverse so I would I just watched a bunch of videos of like people fucking around in the metaverse because like I wanted to know what it is because again it's important to point out that while meta is trying to build like a multi-platform metaverse like with different companies like metaverses do exist that you can go into and play yeah. in metaverses yeah and I think like technically if you're playing a game that's virtual reality with another person like connected to the internet you would be engaging in the metaverse exactly. but it's not like I could also just then show up like in your game exactly so it's kind of like not this kind of um, space which we can all enter in the same way like I could walk into your physical space but I think that is, is the ultimate get, goal yeah they're trying to make it super accessible but for example like gaming is a form of a metaverse because it's like everyone coming together live and existing in a world together like Minecraft as an example um so like for example someone went, went into a metaverse and apparently 30 minutes in VR is like one metaverse day and they kind of like were trying to get like popularity points and um it's kind of interesting that I guess like the ultimate goal for all of this is that well the issue with the metaverse currently is that there are no industry standards for a metaverse like no one has control of the central platform um 
then no one's developed enough technology, for example, to have legs because like you don't have you don't have a VR controller on your feet. Um, so big companies are now competing to set the standard for the metaverse, which is, which is why I think Mark Zuckerberg is trying to be the kind of leading competitor by changing all of these companies to meta mm-hmm. um, because he wants to have control and monopoly over it. But in order to do this, he also needs companies to collaborate. So for example, the avatar that you buy and all the things you purchase in one metaverse, like for example, his metaverse can be transferred to like the Microsoft pl- platform. So like an example he puts out, it's like if you buy a, a jersey, um, but you can only wear it in the stadium, then it doesn't have value. You have to be able to buy the jersey and then wear it in all the different worlds. But like, yeah. that's a really hard thing to do. Can I just say it sounds like Club Penguin? Like, <laughs> it's like if you're a member, you get to like buy like a stupid like scarf for your penguin, or you get to buy special puffles for your penguin. Exactly. And it's like this isn't actually worth anything. And obviously, like that is for children, and like they don't have real possessions. And we were all addicted to it at the yeah, time. Yeah, they don't have real possessions or mortgages so like it's fun for them to have their little world and like you were like the like sickest penguin if you actually had like a full outfit and stuff but like imagine doing that like as an adult in real life like here's my avatar of me I've dressed her in this amazing outfit like you also like have like you're not relying on like your parents to pay for this membership though I I definitely remember like so many people were on Club Penguin and especially men I wonder what the like the actual breakdown of um, genders on this it actually is like I feel like maybe it was even but like all the boys I knew had the membership yeah like, I just feel like it's such like a male ego thing to be like I must equip my like little avatar with many assets I feel like a lot of the men in my life I know like have gotten into gaming on that do you think the metaverse will take off well what has been predicted is that this is going to be like the successor to the mobile internet like we'll be able to send memories like and we'll be able to play games together and we'll be able to share space and the idea is that we're not supposed to be spending more time on the internet. We're just spending the time that we do spend on the internet better and more present with people. I think this will take off. Like I'm genuinely worried. <laughs> like I genuinely think that because like the metaverse already exists in like some small form, um, this is just kind of where the next direction is and which is why like Facebook's investing so much money into it. PwC in 2020 predicted that by 2030, so effectively less than 10 years from now 23.5 million jobs will be using AR and VR so doing employment training meetings customer service and in the next 10 years things like having avatars having a home space um interoperability virtual goods um all these sort of things will be mainstream in all our lives and Mm. we'll be able to interact with it um yeah I think that like for gaming I definitely see that um for like there's some like uh, real like good possibilities for like online education having like, like classes like from home but like you're actually immersed in the class or like working from home but you're actually in the meeting it's not like a shit zoom call mm. I think that like there is potential for that but um not only is that the kind of like cringe like to think about like people spend all their time gaming now they're going to spend all their time like doing VR gaming I think something that like all the bad side effects of the internet like with relation to things like porn Mm. would just be amplified even more through like an immersive porn experience just like dissociating like people just like dissociating from reality is gonna be like yeah or like spending all of their real money on fake currency to buy fake goods Mm. well I guess it's like one of those things where we we're saying all this now but like catch us in like 20 years Mm. like I think this is what's going to happen like I know that this is probably the direction that we're going to head but like I don't want it to happen but yeah, I, I don't want there to be like little like incel like right-wing cells having like like embodied meetings like online I... like a 4chan forum now has like physical like 
occupies some like virtual space in which everyone can meet like that is really scary there's a sense that this is like a very dystopic universe we're heading towards but like there's a sense that we have no control over it like this is going to happen whether we like it or not it's sad that we can't actually press pause and be like actually i think we're we're good enough like we're being pushed on by big businesses and big companies who are competing with each other to like be the first to this thing it's like the moon landing it's like we have to be the first to like, create, create this platform so that we have like control over the money yeah. um and like that's scary like i just like it is scary because it's want like this. innovation in itself isn't necessarily positive like- exactly but to talk on the positives so obviously this takes on a new form because of covid like we understand now like if we aren't together how do we actually have a presence together um so how do you think the kind of adjustments we've made with zoom will either um, create the platform for this or like could represent some sort of potential challenges that we're going to face longer term mm-hmm. if we actually just in- embrace like a metaverse I think that like four things like in terms of being similar to zoom and like facilitating like meetings and um, like conversations and like being able to catch up with your friends remotely I think all of that is like really positive like if you could improve um, the quality of that experience and make it more immersive it would be like a good thing for businesses and a good thing for like groups of friends but it just can't replace it like for example zoom is like kind of shit so that like now when we can go outside and have lunch if someone suggested to have lunch over zoom I'd be like that is so fucking weird like <laughs> yeah. no why don't we meet up in person but if it was so immersive that mm. it would actually just replicate that experience then like it just plays on the worst would, parts of us. Then it would, like, just actually increase isolation. Exactly. And I sense with, like, big delivery services really kind of taking off more and more now. Like, for example, we're now becoming more and more de- dependent on Milk Run. <laughs> we're not sponsored by them, but Milk Run. Like, Wool- Wool- Woolworths has come out with a big delivery service. Like, Uber Eats decided to take off. And then with, like, the increasing um, accessibility in terms of, like, money of VR um, and with COVID, I feel like there's a confluence of, like, everyone just being like maybe this is like a good way to like spend our time yeah imagine like doing your grocery shopping like in the grocery store but like yeah vr exactly so you can pick your produce but like you're not physically there but i think like more and more like with the zoom revolution because i definitely do think it changed the way we socialize with each other has made people like more and more susceptible or more likely to like say yes to like the most convenient thing if it means they get to stay at home yes and like flaking on things is so much easier exactly it's like we've noticed even ourselves like because we spent a lot of time at university before covid and now post-covid like even just like me living like working into an experience like getting people on campus and getting people like to stay behind class or getting people to do anything is so much harder now mm-hmm. like even us like convincing people to like f- like join our schedule for the review show that we're doing everyone buy tickets um <laughs> is really difficult because like people just don't want to commit their time more like they feel that their time is better spent in the most convenient way which is like usually at home doing yeah. whatever they want to do yeah people have a different relationship to like being alone or being at home all day or not physically being around other people yeah which is really sad because like that used to be like something that is like quite lonely exactly (laughs) and obviously with the internet like it makes it less lonely but like I feel like the internet has always been like compensating for like that lack of experience but if it were to replace it then I think that you would be like losing that like real tangible human connection that like is so super important and is why everyone was so depressed yeah and also like we're now we've now socialized a new generation of children to like be okay with that convenience and to like expect that like to like relate to connection like in an online world like and to compensate the lack of connection with an online connection which can then replace it like and I also think it's interesting that there was a time where um there were certain people who like didn't feel like they could go out into the world and make connections and so they created subgroups on like the internet and like that was beautiful and that served them but like now it's like it's like everyone has to be a part of that like Mm. instead of like bringing those people out into the world 
those people have brought us into their virtual world and like mm. I just don't think that's positive yeah like in order to participate in any like real like social discourse like you have to be online you have yeah. to be sharing your opinions it's like why exactly um so would you buy a virtual object art or land do you think one day you're gonna be plugged into the metaverse and kind of just not exist in the real um I think that's really scary I just like I don't know why I would buy like a virtual land I would rather like save money to buy like real land <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. um and also like that's the whole problem like even just like from a financial perspective like it's such an unstable form of like like investment or currency um whereas like i'm physical land it's always going to appreciate yeah i mean looking at the videos it actually looks like so much fun like i definitely looked at it and i was like oh i can see myself getting addicted to this or becoming dependent on this like very much like i could see myself getting sucked into this world Mm. because like you develop friends you develop relationships even like you can you can have a really cool house and you're going to get lost in your fantasy and then you stop living like your actual life like yeah your life just gets is just about sustaining your actual body and your sentience rather than like you're not living it in the real yeah world. and like trying to kind of like spit split people's lives into this like ideal virtual world mm. like to compensate for the fact that like their real life might like not, not be that great yeah. and so like you're living in this small house and you don't have much of an income and you just sustain yourself so that like in all of your free time you can like exist in your dream world it's just sort of so cynical <laughs> yeah it's also a really great way to oppress people it is what George Orwell said it's like if you can satiate people with like a fantasy world then like they become more and more okay with like poor treatment in the real world mm-hmm. like if they can just like get enough money to like play their virtual game and like live in their virtual world um then it doesn't they don't care if like the climate is fu- fucking up like because they're not going outside or they don't care if like they can't afford the big house they always wanted because like they can afford it in their virtual world like they, they start to like care less about the impact all the decisions that are happening in the real world if like their fantasy is so brilliant mm-hmm. like sometimes you just need to care about what's happening in the actual world um some other observations i had about this experience is that it seemed like it i think there's like an episode of black mirror on this exact experience of like living in a virtual world or it's like the matrix like you're just like your body just like exists to like sustain your mind yeah and then like your mind like physically is embodied in like this fake world exactly so it's like interesting that we're living in the precipice <laughs> of like the future like and we are in the future now. and that's always been like kind of a negative thing <laughs> yeah it's always been portrayed as like dystopic um it, 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 like you brought up before like how do we actually mitigate like sexism racism in this online space like bullying misinformation harassment like all these things happen online right now but like imagine having a twitter fight but like in real life in real life yeah and also harassment is like so much is so much easier like on the internet but imagine if you had the accessibility of cyberbullying and the distance that you have and the anonymity that you have but it feels embodied like it feels like you're being harassed like yeah physically like that is like the worst case scenario exactly. for like bullying. Well, so Mark Zuckerberg has pointed out that like he wants to make sure privacy and governance are like kind of built in at the very beginning by like allowing you to block people or to go into a private bubble. But I think it's just very naive because firstly that's reactive. Like if you know I'm sexually harassed on this like weird online server, like that still could really affect with my innocence or whatever. Like mm. if I'm a child and I experience that, mm. like even like for example when I was a child, like I went on sites like I am Vu. I don't know if anyone remembers this. Or like, like Omegle. Omega, like it's like that was like the way I first like learned about sex, like through like probably thirty or forty year old men being like, "Hey, can you give me a blowjob?" And I'm like, "What? Thirteen years old?" Yeah. Like that's like this, but like on steroids. Um, I think as well, like it is a place for confidence and self expression, creativity, and a lot of fun. But I also think it's fun for the wrong reasons because it's not actually you 
like developing yourself it's you developing like well, a, like what i find avatar. weird is that like all the fun parts are like things you can do in real life yeah. like you can go out and like play with people in real life as a child like you can um like ex- make art like in real life and then all the negative things are things you can't do in real life like bully people but like be anonymous yeah, you yeah. know what i mean yeah i also think that there's an obsession that we have with leisure and distraction i just like think that flattens the human experience like you should like suffer (laughs) like this is this is Ordono's point which is like sometimes leisure isn't good enough like you should be trying to like read and improve yourself and like Mm -hmm. whatever but if you just like want to distract yourself like oh my god no one is going to read books yeah in the metaverse exactly like why would i go into the metaverse to read exactly (laughs) i'm going to go into my that's also the whole thing of like it like replaces like the use of your imagination Exactly. Especially for children mm. when like you would have to like imagine the world that you're in and be in a park and like create a fantasy whereas now you could like enter that fantasy yeah. and it like completely like destroys like your capacity to use your imagination. Exactly. Which is really important like as an adult. Yeah. I also think augmented reality and high speed internet is like the most cursed Western consumer capitalist thing. Like just capitalism off the rails because like in the metaverse like money um like they're spending money on like shitty little assets and things because like that's now the current of the economy like instead of like people literally people who can't get money for cancer treatments or food and like we're acting like this is important like there are people across the world who like fucking die and we're like spending money and like entertainment on like this stupid fantasy world like just imagine that a world in which like everyone's in their vr fantasy world and then you go across the globe and there's like people who like yeah can't have access to clean water like it's just so stupid that like yeah, I do think there's something, I don't know if you told me this or someone said this of like how the internet is like really in its like very early stages mm. and um, maybe like it is something that will kind of like develop and correct itself um, in the same way as lots of early technologies, like even the printing press, people were very skeptical of. Mm. And then after a while it became like obviously something that we're incredibly dependent on. And I think maybe like things like Twitter and things like um, Facebook were kind of like early versions of the internet and like in the future when people think of the internet like this is actually what it will be it's like a, a place 100%. you can go I, yeah. I definitely think that's probably what's going to happen um but again that scares me because I feel like it's just not a positive <laughs> development I also think that we're spending billions on like these are like effectively toys like we're adults playing with toys um which it goes back to that whole thing where like I liked when Sean Parker got like almost punched by Eduardo because it's like get a grip like you're you're living you're creating an empire of delusion it's like you're not actually it's not cool like we confuse ourselves into thinking it's cool yeah like you thought like people caring so much about their likes on facebook was bad like (laughs) wait until we're living in the metaverse literally and it's just like it might have an actual effect on our economy because like people shift away from buying actual goods in the world to buying goods in their virtual world like that's so stupid like there are people who like again like it comes back to the climate like for example to run servers on the blockchain it's like the power usage like the equivalent of like the power usage in serbia like we are increasingly increasingly having to use extra extra power to like fund this stupid little obsession that we have with like the metaverse that's gonna have an actual effect on the world like the climate like Mm. this takes away like there's only so much capacity we have to deal with like issues like this takes away energy from like real world issues like if you're in your metaverse like you're not going outside and like realizing like oh like I can't hear birds sing anymore because you know biodiversity has now been reduced because the climate's all fucked up like if you can just completely escape and dissociate from the world like you no longer care about what happens to the world and that kind of self-obsession is inherently toxic and inherently dangerous yeah and a part of me thinks this is like just like an expression of like the patriarchy because i feel like Mm. this attracts men so much more like even the whole gaming concept is like 
targeted towards and taken up mostly by like young men and it's weird because like lots of boys would play video games like in their youth in high school even in their like early adulthood but it's something that like you kind of age out of yeah as your life becomes more full with like your own family your own job your own network but it's like what if we actually just were like folding everyone like into that yeah yeah and it's like even like the desire for people like Zuckerberg and everyone at Meta to create this like virtual world is like yeah, like I just feel like we should be meeting people who are not necessarily making healthy choices where they're at. Yeah. Like, if Mark Zuckerberg is making choices about the future of like the humanity, like our humanity, like creating a whole world where we're no longer like physical humans but virtual humans, like this man should not be making those decisions. Like he is like clearly like if you watch the Social Network, unwell, like, <laughs> incorrectly socialized. Like this is not like the appropriate direction i just like that's the thing it's like this is yeah like if you can't socialize i shouldn't have to like like, join you in submit to your world in which like my like form of socializing has been like corrected for me exactly it's like it's like that's the thing but there's a sense of inevitability where it's like we're gonna we're gonna have to do it like because businesses are gonna convert we're all gonna be forced we're all gonna have to learn how to live on the metaverse like children are gonna start to be raised on it like once they get children hooked we're all done like that's it like that the world is gonna change fundamentally um there's nothing really we can do i don't want to be defeatist like there are things we can do about it but there's a sense like it's a very hard thing to stop do we want it? Well, do we want it to happen? Probably not. But yeah. So basically, um, don't participate in the market for the metaverse, and it will stop because that's <laughs> how it works. And on that note, do you have any final comments? Shout out if you used to be on Club Penguin. Mm. Um, my, <laughs> I was GK Princess. <laughs> I was Cleopatra Pru. <laughs> um and actually bring back Club Penguin. That's the moral. Yeah, I would like. I would hang out on Club Penguin in the metaverse. Thanks everyone for listening. We have so many fun episodes coming up. Follow us on social media at Unsisted Podcast. Subscribe and stay tuned. See you next week. Bye. This podcast was recorded on the land of the Gadigal of the Eora Nation. Sovereignty was never ceded and we pay our respect to elders past, present and emerging. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Oh, like, <laughs> I forgot to mention this, but like the whole thing he tried, to, he tried to say during the social network is that Facebook has to be cool. Like, don't put ads on it. Like, as soon as you make it uncool, like people are going to leave. But like the thing about like, him now and what meta represents is that it's so uncool like i don't think anyone's like mark zuckerberg is so fucking cool like the metaverse is so people cool. who are like crypto billionaires think they're really fucking cool and that's the thing it's like but like, you're embarrassing